That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, uh, here we are um, for another exciting episode of Same Old Song. We are on uh, the sixth Sunday of Easter, a very, very important passage where in our collect we remember that. Uh, God, and we ask him to pour into our hearts such love towards you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises. And uh, that love has been poured into our hearts by virtue of our baptisms, and we stand in great confidence of that, ready once again to declare the gospel and uh, to prepare you to preach the gospel in your churches this Sunday. And so uh, before we jump into the text, let's just check in. And Aaron, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm relieved because I thought you were just going to go head on into the text and not really ask me how I was doing oh, or why no, I would my never hair looks you. so good. And, mm. uh, well, you're still having that breakfast burrito glean. <laughs> so, um, you know, and so uh, we're, we're excited look, about that. Why do I look so shiny? I feel like, you know, when um, uh, Jim Gaffigan talks about... Oh, wait, that's just, about... that's, just, that's just full sweats. <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> Jim Gaffigan talks about eating Hot Pockets, and he's like, my back hurts. Like, that's kind of, that's where I am right now. How about you? I'm doing great. You know, here we are. This is, uh, this is the last Sunday before I take off on sabbatical. So, uh, pretty excited about that. And uh, this is the Sunday where we typically celebrate the Feast of St. George. And so, um, and uh, in part, not because it's St. George's Day, but um, officially, but because it's Mother's Day. And so we're making a pivot because uh, Mother's Day can be depressing to uh, a lot of ladies in the congregation. And uh, and this is our annual Mother's Day rant. And so, Aaron, do you want to tell the listeners why we don't talk about Mother's Day on Mother's Day? Don't do it. That's all I have to say about observing Mother's Day officially <laughs> in church. One, it is not in the church year. It's not a liturgical anything. Number two, some people are blessed to have good, healthy relationships with their moms and with the idea of motherhood. Huge numbers of people have very conflicted issues, uh, thoughts, feelings, and histories with motherhood, either because of their own mother, because of their inability to be a mother, because of their own failures or perceived failures as a mother. Uh, There's just a lot there. So Mm -hmm. uh, it just tends to, it's a no-win situation. Uh, Don't do it. And uh, just stick to the text. Let people celebrate Mother's Day if they wish after church in their own way. Uh, Remember uh, what... uh, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge said to Bob Cratchit, or no, I think it was the the the, the men who were asking for a donation uh, in a Christmas Carol. You keep Christmas in your way, and I'll keep it in mine. So that's bad for Christmas as a Christmas idea, but for Mother's Day, yeah. that's a quite a good policy. So uh, just for sure, don't don't, yeah. don't give flowers. Don't ask the women to stand up. Um, 
Yeah, I just recently heard somebody put on Twitter recently. Just there was a church that asked like all the couples who've been married for X number of years to stand up. What about this number of years stand up? This number and like this lady who's like I'm divorced and my husband was an abuser. She just tweeted about how sh- you know alone and shamed sh- kind of she felt. So just be careful with that stuff, preachers. Think for a second. Think if there's somebody in your congregation I who think, may uh, have not had a perfect life, how are they going to feel? I uh, I do I am reminded oftentimes on Mother's Day of that funny uh, bulletin mistype, and uh, it was like something about like the mothers' union will be once again meeting in the fall. All women interested in being new mothers, please see the rector in his office. <laughs> <laughs> Title four coming right up. Safe church. Begin so anyway, a disciplinary but, uh... <laughs> hearing. <laughs> Yeah, but it's for the Mother's Union, I promise. All right. So, but anyway, Jake, um, how are you doing? I'm like I said, I'm doing great. So okay. this is uh, this is it, and so uh, we hey, get and through so this I'm Sunday. Going on sabbatical, we're by the way, May sixteenth, maybe or maybe not. We'll see. But anyways, we've got a lot of recording to do between now and then. So uh, we'll just uh, you know take some performance. Yeah, and don't have to drugs tell people our secrets. I just done. thought we would you know I'll be the think we're just right here so anyway <laughs> and that we're working through our sabbatical because we love our fans so much so anyway so much but let's um we do love you dear listeners and so and uh, so tell your friends and uh, hit like and subscribe write a comment and give so money anyway, to mockingbird uh, yeah and uh, don't be a moocher and we will not send you a mug <laughs> a tote bag or a commemorative dvd of the sound of music but you will feel a little bit self-righteous and uh and you'll have a warm fuzzy feeling of supporting Mockingbird. that is a that i think we've officially uh hit our filler quota and so let's jump into the text today acts chapter 10 verses 44 through 48 then we're taking a look at once again first john chapter 5 1 through 6 where he's basically like every good preacher just saying the same thing and then we go to john chapter 15 verses 9 through 17 and so uh let's take a look here at acts chapter 10 verses 44 through 48 now if you just jump right in here, you'd think, wow, well, Peter just said some cool things and some wonderful things happened. But what actually is going on here, Aaron? Well, Jake, I'm glad you asked. This conversation (laughs) takes place in the house of a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And he is, again, like we said last week, like he's a, like the eunuch from Ethiopia. This centurion also would have been someone who would not have been in the club, uh, according to sort of strict understanding of Judaism. And at this point, Christianity isn't even really called Christianity by many people. It's still in its infancy, and it's seen as a sect of Judaism. And we know that Cornelius was, you know, of the centurions, of Romans. He was seen as sort of a a good one uh, by the Jewish people. He was sort of friendly to the synagogue and all that sort of stuff. But he was definitely a Roman, and he was definitely a centurion, and you didn't get to be that, uh, to advance up the ladder without paying homage to Caesar and participating in all these sorts of things. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, he's not circumcised. He does not keep kosher. He's just, he's not, he's not in the club. And through a miraculous set of events, St. Peter is brought into his house. Basically, Cornelius uh, um, has, has kind of a, a spiritual awakening. And an angel comes to him and, and says... Bring Peter, who is in Joppa, or now the city of Jaffa in Israel, uh, now kind of a hippie commune, and uh, a bunch of artists there. It's kind of cool. It's also where uh, uh, Jonah uh, began his journey for the whale, or the fish. Anyways, so uh, all that to say is 
Cornelius is on the outside. Peter is brought in to, in to tell Cornelius the message of the gospel. And Peter's also now been given this wisdom from God that, uh, that the message is for everyone. And he, it's specifically related to food. There's no more of these rules about dietary restrictions. Anyways, read chapter 10. You get the whole vision that Peter got. All that to say is this is in a Roman house, a Roman centurion, his whole household, his wife, his children, his servants. They're all hearing this message of the gospel. None of them are Jewish. None of them are in the club. None of them would have been seen as candidates for uh, the worship of Yahweh or or being interested in the Messiah. And they all now here receive the Holy Spirit. Right. And the message is the same thing over and over and over again. You know, he doesn't have a, he doesn't uh, tailor his message to the Gentile audience, nor does he tailor his message to a Jew. It is the same message over and over and over again. And it is essentially, he opens up with God shows no partiality. And uh, that um, uh, uh, as uh, as for the word that he, um, gosh, my eyes have gone bad, sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all. And you yourselves know what happened. Essentially, you crucified him and he was raised on the third day. And he preaches this message with great power. And then we come to our reading today. And, uh, and while Peter was still speaking, and you notice it wasn't some sort of like Harvard business model plan. You know, it wasn't about uh, maps and canoes and anything like that. Um, I don't know if you know about that church kind of uh, church development thing and uh, anyway, church consultation plan. It wasn't any of that. It was preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard. And this is the interesting thing. It says the circumcised believers, these are the Judaizers. These were the folks who were like Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. But you got to do some circumcision. You know what I mean? These were, uh, these were those folks. Um, well, they're astounded at the preaching of the gospel and what it does because it, it hits the Holy Spirit and it's poured out even on the Gentiles. Uh, and, and he hears them speaking in tongues. Now, this isn't, as I said, this is, this is Gentile language here. This is probably Latin, probably some form of something or other, but they are praising God, extolling God, a.k.a. the gospel, how in Jesus he has fulfilled the law. And that's why uh, Peter says that's the fruit. And so why don't we baptize these folks as well? And so they're baptized in the name of Jesus, which is just shorthand. You hear these people, they want to make it controversial about in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or in the name of, in the name of Jesus is just shorthand for that. And then basically uh, St. Peter stays and he sets up um, a seminary course for them all. Yep, he's like, let's fire up the YouTube and learn about dispensationalism. Uh, the thing that I wanted to say, that the thing that's important right before, and this gets to something you were saying earlier, Jake, about Peter's sermon, uh, in our passage that opens today, while Peter was still speaking these words, the last thing Peter says right before that is, all the prophets testify about Jesus that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That Amen. is the match that lights the fire here. And the message mm. is forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. And this kind of gets back to what we said last week about the Bishop of Georgia, Bishop Scott, and his comments about that being the, that's the thing that church is for. That's the one message that we have. And um, uh, when, because there was no, you know, to, he, Peter's speaking to Romans, and there is no forgiveness for Romans. Uh there are gods and deities who, if you do the sacrifices right, 
maybe will give you what you want, but you're sort of just at the mercy of these capricious, often cruel, uh, inscrutable gods. And you just hope mm-hmm. that they show you favor, but really you, you're just, you're hoping. And you don't, and th- th- there's no idea that like Zeus loves you. There's no idea that the emperor loves you. There's none of that. Um, it's all performance-based, and it's, there's, all, there's always this element of randomness about whether the gods will favor you or not. And so to hear what God has done and that if you believe in Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins through his name, I mean, that just undoes these people. And that's, yeah, the Holy Spirit falls, and so, of course, let's, let's baptize these folks. Um, and again, it's an, it's an amazing story of people who should not be included in the religion club that get included because of the blood of Jesus. And uh, it's, a, it's a powerful story. And it's, it's amazing too that to me that even the believers are amazed. St. Peter's own companions and fellow Christians are astonished mm. that somebody like this would, would receive the gospel. So it's some, it's some powerful stuff. Um, so let's move on to the next passage, which is, uh, as we've been going through the book of Acts during this time of Easter, and we're also kind of spending a lot of time with St. John, uh, first here in the epistle, his, there are three letters of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. This one is 1st John. Um, and he's been talking about a lot about love. John is one of these writers, both in his gospel and in the epistle, that's sort of circular. He's not writing a, an essay with like a thesis statement and three supporting points and then a conclusion statement. He just kind of is, writes in a very circular fashion, uh, which kind of can make the modern reader's head swim a little bit. But he's continuing on this topic of love, which he talked about last, which we read about last week, uh, and we're continuing this theme, and uh, in this passage is another one of those verses that can be heard and interpreted and sadly often preached as law. The love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. But... uh, this is actually a description of what a converted by the gospel heart looks like. But the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, because the very next thing he says is, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. So if whatever you're doing feels burdensome, then that's maybe not the commandment of God. Um, because uh, the, the commandment is to, as Jesus says in the gospel of John, believe in him whom God the Father has sent. That is the prime commandment, um, as well as to be baptized and to take the Lord's Supper, which are both things that are remind us of what God has already done for us and do the work in us. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a couple of things that stick out to me. And uh, if I can recommend a book, um, a fellow mockingbirder, Jim McNeely, he's usually our magician at the conferences. Um, he wrote a great book called Grace and Community and uh, Real Life Grace from the Book of John. And um and I love what he says here when, because, uh, you know, he talks about belief and love. And and uh, and um, and uh, Jim makes the point that uh, belief and love are two sides of the same coin. He says, belief and love are, according to this verse, intertwined. Belief indicates you are born of God and engenders love for the Father and other believers. If you have believed that we are loved by God, you are going to love others that have been birthed into that belief. You will be drawn constantly into the community of those whose relations are governed by grace and not by wrath, as you've been talking about fear. Uh, You will be among those whose consciences are satisfied with the path of justice as concerns each other's offenses, because you will have a real way to forgive and truly love each other through Christ's blood. 
I think the difference between love and lack of love for someone really boils down to whatever you're able to believe, to know and to reckon is true, that Christ's death applies to him in this specific moment of his imperfection. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's really powerful. And I love that the bar into the Christian community is just so low. It's just belief, you know, um, something that he creates within us. And, um, and then the other thing I would say is for the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And as you were kind of hitting on, this isn't the Ten Commandments. These are the commandments of the new covenant, which is to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and to nourish people with the commandments of this is my body given for you, this is my blood shed for you. These commandments aren't burdensome because they draw us to Christ who's conquered the world for us. And this is the victory that conquers the world because these things engender faith within us. And so this is, this is what it's really all about. Um, and that last verse here, the one who came by water and blood, there's a lot of scripture, a lot of scholarship about what this actually means. And some people think it's talking about the birth of Jesus. And uh, um, it's clearly the blood, though, is a reference to the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and the water, one can make a strong argument uh, that this is about the baptism of Jesus. So if you think about his ministry, his ministry on earth begins with his baptism in the River Jordan, yes. and then his ministry ends with his pouring out of his own blood on the cross. So this is saying that, uh, to your point, Jake, kind of the two sacraments there, baptism and the Lord's Supper, being connected to Jesus' baptism and Jesus' death, um, and also just his own ministry, the one who came by water and blood, the one who began his ministry by becoming uh, one like us by getting baptized in the water just like a sinner entering into human life he comes by water and then he also comes by blood he he sheds his blood for us in his sins um, Absolutely. And, and the thing John John here not John the Baptist but John John uh, says not only with not with water only but with water and the blood so this is important because if if Jesus had just begun his ministry with the baptism by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, um, he would be seen primarily as, yes, a divine figure, a son of God, one who came to teach. Uh, but as John the Baptist thought, he was just coming to tell people to shape up and act right, just like all the prophets before him had done. Um, and maybe to give the Holy Spirit to, to the good people who managed to do that. Um, but that's not the only thing of Jesus' ministry. He did not just come by the water, he also came by the blood, because ultimately what he came to do was to die and to and mm-hmm. to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And to because um, we're not able to do what the prophets commanded us to do. We're not able to do what John the Baptist told us to do. We're not able to love others and love ourselves. Um, and uh, it's just we are not simply not able to do that so yeah water and the blood and it's a pointing to the cross that's all i Mm. I want to say about that that's good and uh and connected to his baptism the spirit the dove lands upon him and testifies to it yes and the spirit is the truth so um that's a perfect segue into john 15 verses 9 through 17 where we actually um you know hear jesus teach what john like it what john tells his congregation and so, you know, this is the thing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And as you remember from last week, we talked about abiding isn't some sort of like thing you got to do. Uh, rather, this is a passive verb. And uh, this, is, this is what you are in Jesus. Right. 
and um, the and keeping once again his commandments also is this is very if you keep my commandments well how do we do that well we show up and we are baptized we receive the the bread and the wine and uh, you know these things remind us that we've been loved by God and loved by him first loved to the very end loved to our very depths and that he's grafted us to this vine yeah, and this this comforting word here, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The emphasis, again, is on Jesus here being in the protagonist, not us. Uh, and um, it's, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus' friendship, Jesus' care for us. And this is highly unusual in the ancient world to, to call mm. somebody friends, to kind of elevate people of a lower position to this level of friendship, as, as uh, That's we were right. talking about earlier, Jake. Yeah, this is a this is an insight that uh, actually the Reverend Dr. Victor Austin, canon theologian for the Diocese of Dallas, uh, he makes this very point. In the Greek world, um, uh, the entire concept amongst the various and sundry philosophers, uh, the very concept that you would be friends, well, one was very rare, uh, but that you would be some friends with someone of a lower status was just um, absolutely mind-boggling. And, uh, and you see in this particular passage, especially as Jesus teaches, that uh, friendship is at the very heart of who God is, because he is the one who condescends to our level, condescends all the way to the cross to meet us right where we are at. And, um, and you know, you think about this, this ability, I love, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, well, gosh, die for them? How's that working for you? Um, although I would die for you, Aaron. And so, um, but uh, the, uh, this, is, this is a very rare thing. And I just think about how this is engendered naturally within a community. And this is when um, what the gospel does, levels are broken down. And I was sharing about what I was in Boy Scouts, like basically from when I was in the fifth grade to I was 18 years old. And uh, the reason why was because we had this amazing troop that had like, I mean, I talked to a lot of people. They were out of Boy Scouts by the time they were like 12. And, but we had this amazing troop where there were high school guys still in it. And they were really kind to the younger kids, the younger boys, and raised them up, which like really caused us to kind of elevate our camping game and whatnot and our maturity level. And uh, like almost on one level come to there because they were condescending, laying their lives down. It actually raised us up. And this is how it worked in a horizontal sense. And then by the time I was in high school and really involved in this troop, I mean, the same thing was happening, you know, with the fifth graders coming up. But there's this idea of like lowering down, which then elevates and this common playing field that the gospel does that allows us to meet each other right where we're at and actually um, truly lay our lives down, lay down that which we think is right, lay down uh, that which uh, we, th we think are our rights uh, for the sake of someone else. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the other thing too about this passage is that just as Jesus talking at the end of his life, this is, this is the night he gets betrayed and arrested. This is the long, long speech at, the, at that supper. And one of the things that he's about to do after he finishes speaking is he's going to command his disciples to sit there while he washes their feet. Mm. So again, when you think about, you are my friends if you do what I command you, so many of us hear that as, you're, Jesus will be your friend if you don't cuss, 
if you never drink too much, if you don't do anything bad sexually, uh, if you give money away um, instead of spending it all on stuff you don't need from Amazon. And again, all those things, um, you know, drinking too much, uh, using your sexuality in a way that is just about you and not about caring for others. I mean, all those things, yes, I realize that they're important moral questions there. Uh, but that's not what this is saying. What Jesus right. commands his disciples to do right after this is let me, he commands them to allow him to wash them. You know, what Jesus wants you to do, his commandment is to let him heal you. He, he wants you mm-hmm. to let him wash you. He wants him to let you forgive him or forgive you. So uh, that's, you know, the commandment of Jesus is not to be Dudley Do-Right. The commandment of Jesus is not to be the president of a youth group. The commandment of Jesus is to trust him and to allow him to cleanse you and forgive you. Um, and to not trust in yourself, but to trust in him. And that's what makes you his friend. Uh, so, and again, he, he just is so clear on his love for them, his friendship for them. It's so tender here. Um, so don't turn this into a passage about law. Um, no, d- d- just don't forget the context and don't forget the love. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, um, yeah. That's I mean, that sound any... is when Jake leans back in his chair and it creaks. He like leans back. He, he takes a long puff on his pipe and then he leans back and looks thoughtfully up at the picture of Jesus. Oh, wait, sorry. It's Motley Crue. I, and, it's that other poster. And, uh, you know, and the good thing is, is that Jesus, uh, for some reason, has appointed you to go and bear fruit. Hmm. And uh, when he's appointed you to go and bear fruit, as he says, fruit that will last, um, well, um, that's going to happen. You know, he's not about to let branches have the final say because he is the vine. And, uh, and, um, and that's, that's good news. Well, keep abiding. I will. Like Joe Biden. <laughs> that's not a political statement, just a pun. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Hasta la Happy Mother's Day. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.